listed in his sixth year. Um, sorry, I should have qualified that. Uh, Nate Hobbs, uh, favorite running back in the OUA, Brandon Metz in the sixth year. Of course. <laughs> Saga guy, Zach. Saga guy. <laughs> I'll take it then. Um, with that being said, I think we are all set to jump into the, the sort of state of the franchises. Sort of, you know, this, this is going to be tough because obviously with, with the lost COVID year, it's hard to, or it's harder perhaps than most years to read into, well, if a guy is, has eligibility to play, you know, up against where he might be in his academic career, is a guy going to want to stay, knowing that he might have missed a well, year? I guess, like for example, the quintessential uh, example of this would be Andreas Duek, right? I mean, the guy, um, I guess, would have been in school for five years already, but is well. You you mentioned Duek's name. I, I didn't know where we were going to start per se, but let's start with McMaster. Then, um, I had it. I had him written down as fourth year eligibility, fourth year playing, from what I had seen. Um, which I guess. Oh, I'm saying I'm saying like academic year, like he has he has he has been in school for more than four years. You know what I'm saying? So it's the guys that have. What guys are going to do their sixth year of undergrad for that fifth year? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, starting with Duick, I. You know, obviously with Trey, and, and we'll get to Waterloo shortly, um, and, and, you know, to state the obvious, Duick is not Trey Ford. He's an incredible talent on his own, but I, I think most people, if you're drafting QBs, you're going to take Ford ahead of of Duick in, in, in any draft you're doing there. Um, but, you know, with Trey, at the end of the season, there were so many people on socials reaching out you know just saying things you know just kind of commenting on what a privilege it's been to be able to watch his career so once we get to waterloo skipping ahead it does seem like and and partly perhaps because he'll be in the cfl next year hopefully there seemed to be that more obvious outreach from people related you know involved in the program with duke i don't think i saw that but i don't know if that means that ah therefore he's coming back or else they would have rolled out the red carpet um so, so I don't, I don't know for sure. Other guys, though, just pulling from the roster, just going through a few names of note. Adam Priacanon listed fifth year, elig- fifth year eligibility, fifth year playing. So pretty certain uh, that uh, trying to struggle to come up with a kicking sort of pun as far as wrapping up. That's a that's the that's the that's the extra point on his career it's done adam priacana hey it's been a uh, it's been fantastic i can only imagine where he ranks in the all-time mac points leaders because he's been there on some great teams as well um liam putt fourth of fifth four or five years four years playing out of five um obviously a receiver that we saw have not only a solid year in the receiving game but doing some nice uh you know short yards qb um performances for them as well uh it'll be fascinating to see like what yeah. they do with guys like him because um you know if i if i'm not mistaken i think he's a 96 i think he's my age or a 97 regardless i think he's kind of you know the oua rules you can't play after 25 right so it's yeah it's kind of will he get that that fifth year of playing I, i'm not hundred percent sure how they're going to look at that or whatever, right? So, 
another another name of note, uh, Justice Allen, uh, fourth year at the school, third year playing. Uh, you know, Justice, not not his best year this past year. I I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him maybe at the 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 a regional camp. Um, he, he's an incredible athlete, and I think one of the, his best qualities as a player is that. You know, he not only takes handoffs in the backfield, but they've used him definitely as sort of leaking out in the flats, using him in the receiving game as well, um, which I think could make him a, a perhaps a, a, an interesting prospect at the next level. Um, just to go through a few more of these names that we can kind of talk about as a whole, Enoch Penny Larea, the outstanding D end, uh, he was listed uh, five out of five, so pretty sure that that's going to be a wrap on his career with the Marauders. Um, been one of the better DNs consistently in the OUA during his time. Max Guy, fourth year eligibility, two years playing, uh, according to the website, uh, offensive lineman for the Marauders. Once again, I-, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him make an appearance at an East West camp. But in the grand scheme of things, assuming he's returning academically, uh, I wouldn't be surprised also to see him be playing for Mac next year. Um, so, so, yeah, we kind of have a few question marks in all of that. Um, going back through those names or anything else McMaster related that you can think of, what's sort of the, you know, with some of those names? I mean, obviously, if Duick's gone, it's a massive, I I, I, I can't think off the top of my head who they have waiting in the wings. Um for them, but I'm not sure what direction this team's really leaning in, you know, and, and it's only two, well, three years technically, but, you know, or two years, I guess, from a Yates Cup championship. Yeah, I mean, it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Duick. I think they have, you know, a good kid lined up there in Keegan Hall. Um, I'm pretty sure he was right. a, a Nelson kid, you know. I thought he looked pretty good in, in some of the uh, mop-up work that he got this year. So in that respect, I mean, uh, still, if it is him, it's his first year starting. But I still think, uh, you know, it'll be more than a than a serviceable quarterback there. If I was a betting man, I I, I would want to say that that Duick is staying, and I think, you know, I want to say Mac will be better next year. Obviously, looking at where they are at the start of the year, uh, it's easy to say they underachieved. They absolutely did, I think. But um, I think we should be careful not to. Not to be sleeping on Mac in the offseason because I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's still, you know, a bit of a machine, um, not to level of Western, but they're always going to be in the mix. I think, you know, having uh, they had an O-line that struggled quite a bit at times this year, uh, most nobly in the in the Laurier game. Um, so only having, you know, you only mentioned the one guy who probably isn't graduating there. Having that, that group back together, I think, will be big for them. Um and Allen probably back as well. Like, I think, you know, as much as you're, you're a little upset that you, you're a Yates Cup champion that didn't make the playoffs, um, you know, I think all in all, Prime's in good shape and, and poised for next year. Uh, given your uh, – I don't want to call you bitter about their season, given uh, you had them at 6-0 and and they didn't, they didn't come through for you, but uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you, you, you brought up the group that, that just – it's, uh, you know – it needs to be addressed first and foremost. It's the offensive line. Um, you, you mentioned that that Laurier game where I forget just how many sacks it was. Laurier got on them, and, and you know we all know how high I was on Laurier's defense. Um, 
this year as well. Um, I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, we mentioned Justice Justice Allen's name. He really wasn't able to get it going all that much either. And, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, if your offensive line's giving up sacks like that, if they're they're a bit of a a weaker unit, probably going to be hard to get the run game going too. So I I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, I hate, I know, I don't feel like I'm taking a shot at that unit, but it just kind of highlights, you know, how important it is having that unit at a, you know, serviceable to above board position. You look at the teams that had success. I mean, start with the Western Mustangs. I mean, that offensive line was freaking tremendous this year. You look at the boys, the Saskatchewan was rolling out on their O-line without knowing, you know, crunching any tape on them. Just look at those monsters. Those guys are the big, mean looking dudes. Queen success, having a really strong offensive line as well. And, you know, I, I've been bullish on Waterloo's line as well. Obviously, you know, whatever. Waterloo, I still don't get it. But I think that's got to be the biggest thing for them is, is addressing that point. If Duick's back, if they get Allen back. The defense is usually pretty solid. Um, and then with Potasic at the helm, you know, it's, it's hard to bet against him, you know. And it seems like in the past, even in Potasic's, you know, last stint coaching with the team this team isn't always I mean normally they do make the playoffs they're not always Yates Cup contenders they might have a year where you know that four and four mark or or a five and three maybe first round exit or or what have you but it's rare that there's consecutive years where they are playing at you know like I said, that you know, not making the playoffs is a, is a big jump. So it's, that's almost so below what you expect from them that it's almost inevitable they're going to have a better year. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think I'm still watching how they played the week. I mean, a couple abominable performances, let's say, but also uh, you know, a couple good ones against some good competition as well. Um, so you know, I have I have faith in them bouncing back. Yeah. Well, let's move. Uh, let's move teams because we obviously have a few to go through, and let's go to the team that uh, will probably take the the. I hate saying it's the least analysis, and I hate saying it because it's the team that we probably spend the least amount of time analyzing, which are the Windsor Lancers. In this case, it's only because on their roster page it didn't list any information about the class of the players as far as where they are in their eligibility. So I have four names down that I'm pretty confident uh, are at least fourth year and, and above um, in, in receiver Ma- in the receivers, Matthew James and Alex Borne, defensive lineman, Zach Benson, and then the Q, um, you know, Sam Girard. Uh, Sam is in a master's program right now, which leads me to believe that I'm almost certain he's in his fifth year of eligibility i'd be surprised if he wasn't playing for all five of his years there as well um borne i'm i'm more leaning that he's that he'll probably be back i think he might be in his fifth year but once with the missed covid year matthew james i i think i think's around the same year as him um Benson, I'm not too sure but he's been in the program for a while for them anyways uh windsor we obviously saw with that mid-season surge which just brought on all the you know all the you know commenters on IG to to say everything about all all the sleeping we were doing on on Windsor and all that finished two and four uh I don't think there should be anything but pride for them what the academic all Canadians got released once again they were stellar in that field which is just another thing you can sell people on your program so I don't think that's anything to scoff off 
JP Cercelli, obviously an incredible coach there. What thoughts do you have with the the current state of the Windsor Lancers? Uh, any other players that I didn't mention there that you have a thought about who who we might not be seeing anymore, or or where what are you, where are you leaning with these guys? Yeah, I mean the first thing that comes to mind is Sam Gerrard, and you know it's always going to be tough losing uh, your quarterback, your your talisman, uh, so to speak. Um, but I think like you look at kind of the performances and the way they won games, like it, it was really like a lot of defense. It was a lot of Adeniran. Um, you know, having a veteran guy like Gerard in there, I think makes a big difference. I, from the brief action their backup got during the season, it wasn't uh, awe inspiring, let's say. So I think that's, that's definitely a concern for them. Um, but I just think generally kind of, how the team performed and how they won games. I don't see that playing a huge role for them. Uh, for me, what their success will come down to is, is what teams are they catching at home next year? Uh, because that seems to be, uh, you know, the Bermuda triangle of the OUA or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. You know, I hated going there, uh, but it'll be fascinating to see, you know, obviously next year we're going to be thinking about, are we doing these divisions again? Are we going to go back to crossover? So, um, when you're going back to playing maybe, you know, the York, the U of T's of the world and that kind of thing, uh, where are they going to match up? Where are you going to be able to get your winsome? And, you know, given their performance this year, I think definitely trending up for sure. I don't know. Would you agree, disagree with that notion? No, no. I, you know, it'll be once again, it all kind of comes down to who's back. Um, it, it's it, it's. Not to say that they didn't deserve the wins they got over Guelph and Mac, even though I, you know, haven't gone back to watch the tape since watching it the first time. Uh, it's still, I mean, the Mac one, the bench penalty setting up the the overtime and everything like that. The Guelph one, where I think much like the Mac one, Guelph, I think outgained them on offense, but turnovers and 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 and, and things like that and penalties. I think really, um, no Sean Law, no Sean, no Sean Law. Um, but it's it's kind of it's, it's it's you know teams that nonetheless are nominally that nominally should be better than than Windsor. I'm sorry, Lancer Nation. Um, I I think that is is nothing but fair. It's just to your point about whether it goes back to crossover and things like that. You know, it, it's going to be unfortunate that they'll get to you know probably play York, play Toronto, um, and then in this year where they beat teams that should have, I say that with air quotes, should have and did finish higher than them in the standings in Mac and, and Guelph. Um, who knows if they'll be able to grab a couple of those wins in you know next year or, or whenever on top of being able to play, say, Toronto or York. So hopefully they're still able to, you know, maybe hopefully this was a sign that they're moving into that tier of, you know, aside from the the the, the world beaters of of the league, that they can give sort of teams in that middle class a decent fight. Um, I, I remember the game at Laurier. Laurier was pretty in control in that one, but once again, to your point, Kai comes down to sometimes a bit of home and away for the Lancers. But let's put let's put that one to bed. Um, and you know, we're kind of going in random, a bit of a random order here, I suppose, but we've been covering the West. So let's stick with another team in the West. Let's go with my Guelph Griffins, because there was a number of guys who I pulled off that roster being in, you know, fourth or fifth year. So just kind of going through some of these names. Um, we have guys like guys who have played three out of four years there. Guys like Kosian Yeka, Ariel Kalinga, Juwan Jeffrey, Keandre Smith, Kwame Ose. 
Um, a couple guys, Ben Lack, uh, actually three years played out of five years there. Um, Jared Beeksma played four years has played four years out of five. AJ Chase has played four out of five, and then um, uh, da, 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 did I mention Eric Strons in there? And then Ben Petrie, offensive lineman Ben Petrie, fifth out of his five out of five years, I should say, and of course AJ Allen, five out of five years there. So I'm not uh, assuming that all of those names are gone by no means. AJ, I am I'm certain we know he he's going to be gone ben petrie will be done who's been a, a mainstay for their offensive line um you know we saw eric strons have a pretty strong year kicking for them um maybe a guy who goes out to a camp who knows whether uh, where he sort of ranked in the eyes of of uh cfl guys beeksma four years out of five wouldn't be surprised if he's at a camp maybe get a look or something like that and you know, other than that, not too sure about these these guys. But really, I think the big thing for Guelph this year, um, although it didn't pan out for them in the end, that loss to Western, is it does seem like, despite a bit of inconsistency, they have found a guy in Sean Law. Where are you sitting with the Guelph Griffins right now? Yeah, I think it would be fascinating to see who comes back on defense, but I think would sort of, I don't even want to call it, it's not a silver lining, but what we were looking forward to is kind of how that offense really developed over the course of the year um, with Sean Law, Clock Barnes, you know, Keandre Smith. Um, that's kind of going to be the thing for them of whether they're going to make that jump and be able to beat, you know, I mean, they already beat Western this year, but to come up big and win a Yates Cup, um, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of, you know, Western – able to generate offense with Hillock and the running game and stuff like that. Guelph obviously struggled um, against Western. So um, I think it's going to be kind of come down to that quarterback development and you bring in a guy like Ryan and we mentioned at the start of the year, uh, this is kind of his wheelhouse. So it's kind of going to be whether, you know, this uh, plan that, uh, you know, the Guelph uh, administration, the powers that be have put into place, um, if it's going to come to fruition, I there have definitely been signs of it this past year and kind of, uh, you know, I definitely think they have a shot to be kind of right there with Wesson at the end of it next year again. Um, and give him a better shot as long as this offense continues to develop. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if that core of if, if if they're able to have at least one more year of that core and it could be uh, another year after that even of the 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 law smith barnes connection like that could be so i mean that was so much fun at its best and even at its you know second best kind of performance of that unit still uh, a group a trio that could put up numbers uh, another team though where i'm a little Concerns sticking with the offense, the state of the offensive line. Um, like I said, veteran and Ben Petrie is done here. Um, Spencer Masterson, who's been uh, a starter for them over the years, third year out of his fourth year for them. It's not, it's not like they were uh, bullying anyone running the football as it was. No, exactly. And then going back to, as we're mentioning and looking at the U Sports Awards, their offensive line coach, Michael McDonald, who's not only been uh, just there for, uh, you know, uh, I guess pretty much a decade now um, and doing his thing as a coach, but he's also been, you know, one of their 
biggest assets in the recruiting game and bringing in top talent. So you're kind of, you know, a bit of a change of the changing of the guard, not only from the coaching standpoint, but a big hit in the recruiting aspect. So, you know, as the recruits start to come in in, in the in the coming months, maybe we'll have a sense of it. But that's where, you know, I have a big question mark for them. Um, and it kind of ties in with the running game because, you know, we saw their running game was kind of running back by committee. A guy like Jeffrey, Kane Stevenson, Kwame Ose, um, and a few other names popping up throughout the year. So it'll be interesting if if a guy pops up as as their sort of you know workhorse or once again looking at recruiting or if any transfers. Um, that'll be the interesting interesting thing to look at. It's it's it feels weird that I'm I'm projecting I'm looking at a Guelph team and saying, "You know what? I feel pretty good about their passing game, but it's the offensive line and run game that I have question marks about." Not normally how, you know, you, you talk about uh, Guelph football. Um the defensive side of the ball, yeah, some names here, obviously AJ you know, you, you can't replace AJ Allen. And if they lose Beeksma too, what a hit to that linebacking core. And if they lose Lack as well, my goodness, that's huge. Um, <laughs> the defense. Well, I can tell you with my, uh, you know, Nate's you know ball. Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalism skills here. That I, you know, I have Jared Beeksma's LinkedIn up here. Oh, four connections. So, Jared, if you're listening, maybe. Uh, you know, get those up and start, start connecting with some people, but looking at his education, he's already locked in for five years, 2017 to 2022 for his degree. So, mm. you know, I'm just reading the tea leaves here, Zach, but uh, it seems like he's locked in for at least one more year of school. Uh, okay. Oh, Hey, uh, I'm not going to complain about another year of Beeksma there for them. Um, but on the whole, all, all that leading me to say, I, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, sometimes a bit baseless. I trust that Guelph's going to have their defense sorted out. They, you know, names names have changed. I mean, they lost their defensive line coach Brian Clough, uh, who retired. Uh, uh, I think after 2019, um, a big part of what's made that D line so great. But I just they, they lost the guy to a they lost the guy to a D one program, and they didn't seem to to miss a B, right? It, well, yeah, I mean, with that twenty nineteen, they lost you know Joe Reinhardt at linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the province and in the country. Yeah, as he said, Tavius Robinson goes to the states, and uh, you know, like it just it, it felt like and Elaine Simonkinda uh, ending up in the CFL. I mean, he would have been on Carlton if he didn't get drafted anyways because he was leaving the program. Um, but yeah, it, you know. It just seems like they always seem to fill those gaps. Um, so Guelph, um, you know, obviously they have a lot of shiny toys to be able to flash for the recruits. So, you know, no doubt um, a big part of their aspect or of their strategy and being able to, you know, restore the coffers. Um, let's move over to the K-Dub region. Let's start with, uh, let's start with the Golden Hawks. Um, oh, this is, yeah, this is tough. Uh, I think all the names I'm about to read off our guys that are in their fifth year. Once again, not a for sure that they're not coming back, but it just makes that, you know, if you're if you're putting a wager and just all the more likely that uh, who knows. So I'll just read off these names. We'll talk about it. Uh Connor Caracello, Tommy Bringy, Romy Simpson, Cavante Bailey, Willa Moa, Enteago Vaughn, Christian Hutter Coppin, and Shamari Hutchinson. Um I mean obviously some massive names that like literally that's the core of their team. That's like on both offense and defense. I mean, from their starting quarterback to their top receiver in Egravon, as well as having guys like Bailey and Simpson to just what that, that, that defensive core, Bringy, 
Amoa, Hutter Coppin, and Hutchison. If they lose even half of those guys, and obviously which half, depending on whatever, that's that does make a difference. I, you know, whew, I, I know Taylor Elgisma got a lot of run this year, which no doubt will play, pay dividends down the line for him to have gotten reps at QB in his first year. But, oh, man, they're really going to be needing to hit that recruiting trail hard is, is my big takeaway. What are you thinking hearing some of those names with the Golden Hawks and kind of thinking about where they are going into this 2021 offseason? Uh, it's not great uh, by all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you look at that. If if I'm if I put myself in the shoes of a Laurier fan, I say, you know, we're we're a bit of a defensive machine in terms of producing uh, pro level talent. Uh, we had, uh, you know, Kwaku Botang, Nakasan Yeka transition to Achenpong and Robbie Smith, and you know, what I mean, so they've been they've been rolling guys through that defense uh, for the better part of the last decade now. Um, so I think. You know, if I'm a fan, I'm as much as sure it hurts to lose those guys on defense. I'm confident in that regard that the defense will be good, that more Kirk obviously well respected throughout the league. Um, and they developed top talent over the years. But for me, uh, that offense, I mean, I was not uh, confident in it all year, uh, given they had some talent there. But I mean, if I had to guess, I don't know if Carousel is a fifth year guy, I think he might be back. Um, that's just speculation, but I mean, in general, losing those receivers is not great. I mean, they're going to have some skilled guys, you know, Quinn Scott running back looked good for them. Quinn uh, Scott, getting a couple yeah. of appearances he, he made. Came on um, hot late. But, yeah, no, for sure. But uh, this is not a team that I would say I'm feeling bullish about going forward. A pretty meh year for me. I'm not, I'm not super excited uh, about them going forward, but Obviously, would be happy to be surprised, Zach. Am I am I crazy to to be so uh, down on these guys? What what are your thoughts? Uh well, you know, you, you raise a, you raise a few interesting points there. I I suppose I I should probably to your point about their consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Grant them, you know, after the spiel I said about Guelph defensively, you know. Uh, there's no reason why. I, I mean, I, I think Guelph's defenses have been better consistently over the last few years, but I think you're right that Laurier is in a uh, a tier to be respected. That they they find talent to put into those defensive positions, uh, players to have and put players in position to have success. Um, and then you you raise an interesting point on the offensive side of the ball, where it's like, I mean, you don't like losing a guy like Egovon. Um, I mean, let's let's hope that uh, if he isn't returning, that he's getting a look at the next level. Because I mean, he obviously has put up numbers. He has the size and the speed um, to do some damage at the next level. But you know, you kind of raise an interesting point where it's like their offense wasn't that impressive this year. I I, I qualified every time I picked them. Where it's like I'm I'm expecting their defense to win them game. I, I thought they were winning games and going to win games on that defense. So I wasn't as as bullish as I was on them at times. It, it wasn't because I thought the offense was star studded, though there are bright spots. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 not a team as far as the stock watch uh, of things go that uh, you know. Uh, Whenever the way too early predictions come out for next year, I, I I don't see them being at the top of my my rankings. But that's what recruiting is all about. That's what the off season is for. But as it stands, yeah, I should probably grant them the same type of 
not lenience isn't the right word, but let's go with it for lack of a better one. On the defense side of the ball, they're usually pretty good at filling those spots and putting players in positions to succeed. Offensively, man, let's see who steps up. Um, so let's finish. Oh, so a couple last couple teams here in the West before we move over uh, conferences. Let's go to the Crosstown Warriors, Crosstown Rivals, and the Waterloo Warriors. Um, a whole slew of names to get to, and obviously, really, there's two one name that matters more than the rest. Um, but running back Brandon Metz listed in six in a sixth year linebacker linebacker Michael Reed. Listed in his sixth year. Um, sorry, I should have qualified that. Uh, Nate Hobbs' uh, favorite running back in the OUA, Brandon Metz, in the sixth year. Of course. Saga <laughs> guy, Zach. Saga guy. Um, a whole bunch of hoggies for them in their upper years. Greg Brand, Grant Curtis, Troy Curtis, all in sixth year of, sixth year of playing. Spencer Andrews in his fifth year. Um, so that's going to be devastating regardless of who's that corner, quarterback for them. Um, and then Gordon Lamb. Uh, Trey Ford, Tyrell Ford, also fifth-year guys. Just real quick, a couple of fourth-year guys, which, you know, not not betting money that they're not coming back, but just as far as, you know, guys that you might be seeing at an East-West or stepping up, guys like Deshaun Jupiter, Gene, Jack Hinsberger, Andy Mello, uh, and uh, James Basiliga, who we really saw step up from them at wide receiver this year in the absence of Tyler Ternowski. Um to not make this all about Trey Ford and 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 Tyrell, um, most likely uh, finishing up their career and almost certainly having finished finish up their career, out of some of those other names or just anything Waterloo Warriors related, not about uh, any player whose last name is Ford. What kind of thoughts do you have about where this team is pointed right now, or is it is it is it just is it just kind of a silly game for us to even? try talking about what direction they're going in if we're not talking about Trey and Tyrell. What is uh what is that thing the kids are saying these days? Zach, they're down bad. They're down bad. It's not good. It's not good. Uh you know that's a lot of names there. Trey Ford aside. Yeah. Um so I like I am not I, I don't feel good. You know all respect to the program. <laughs> Chris Vittori has done a lot there. I mean, let's not forget where they started from before the Trey Ford era, let's call it. But, oh, man, it's not good. And I think no, we don't we don't have a lot of uh, memories of a, of a Trey Fordless time. But, man, I even, it's a small sample size. But that Guelph game when he was not around, golly, it was uh, – it wasn't good. So – you know, for you Waterloo faithful out there, you know, you're going to be asking yourselves, uh, you know, we got a, we got a good program right now, right? We're not, we're not going back to the basement, right? Right. You know what I mean? Because you got to be careful. It's, uh, you know, this is really going to be sort of, uh, you know, a bit of an inflection point for the program uh, going forward. And, uh, you know, that's what you got to be selling the recruits right now is it's time to be the next generation guys. Right. Yeah, I mean, to your point about as far as on the recruiting trail, you have to be playing the game of like the next man up. Like you can be the next so and so or the next whomever, because um, those spots are looking to be open. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like we said, so many names outside of Trey and outside of Tyrell, but. Do, do, do we need to? See you had you had the head Creighton, and you were five hundred. 
you had a two-time OUA MVP and you were 500 for how many years? What's it going to be like when that player is gone? To use a Bill Simmons-ism, though, maybe this creates the greatest Ewing theory of all time, and I know you understand the Ewing theory concept. (laughs) Uh, I'm not putting money on that either. Yeah, Waterloo, my goodness. I've been... You know, big on this team. It's hard not to love uh, what they've done the last few years. It's hard not to love the energy Chris Bertoia brings to the program and what he's been able to do. And it's hard not to love the way that that community gathers around this team, the way they travel to games and just going to games at Warrior Field, which I have all the faith in the world they will maintain that status because I think it's you know that that just it's in that's in part of their community. Like I don't think that's just you know fair weather fans so to speak. But um, my goodness, um, the the K Dub after what we just said about the state of Laurier now Waterloo. I mean, hey K Dub, keep putting out the top talent. Um, just hopefully keep some of those talented players on your teams and get to a Yates Cup or something like that. But let's move off of them to from uh, disappointments to. In my case, at least, greatly exceeding expectations. Uh, the Vanier Cup champs, the Western Mustangs. Um, definitely some names here that uh, are, are going to be tough to replace, but perhaps more than whether we're talking Laurier, Guelph defenses, um, being able to consistently fill those voids. Western just fills. They, it's there. There's there. There is no void. There is no spoon. There just there. It's always. It just always seems to be. And what it is is just the best football. And it can be frustrating <laughs> from the standpoint of someone who's played for another team, also as someone who you know you have the parody and everything. And Mac won, and Laurier beat him, and well. But anyways, just going through some of these names real quick. As far as guys listed on their website as being in their fifth year eligibility, that includes guys like um, JP Metris Award winner Deontay Knight, receivers Griffin Campbell and Justin Nixon, defensive lineman Nicholas Terrio, uh, veteran safety Daniel Valente Jr., uh, Spencer Hood, uh, and Austin Ford Miller. In the fifth year side of things, only names I saw were Trey Humes, Brett Ellerman, and Antonio Valvano. Um, in Valvano's case, I, I believe it's 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 actually a, a few more than five uh, years that he spent there. But nonetheless, not as important eight, for our purposes. Eight years, <laughs> I believe that is correct. Um, you know, I I I'm not going to try and aside from the fact that the predominant number of these guys are listed as fourth year guys, which once again makes it all the less uh, of a sure thing that they are going to be gone. Um, if anything, Western is just going to be dominating the East-West games and stuff like that, and the combines. Um, but even without that, I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna embarrass myself anymore by assuming that whoever is whomever is leaving this program is gonna have like a significant impact. Because gosh darn it, they lost Chris Merchant, and by you know just all accounts of team performance, they technically got better. They te- they won a Vandy. Um, so. As far as some of those names we listed, whether it's about who you might think is going to make an all-star appearance, whose name's going to be, you know, in the ether come CFL draft time, or in the case of guys like Humes or Ellerman or Vovano, who we most likely are saying bye to, what are you thinking about the Western Mustangs? Uh, I'm a bit bored. I'm a bit annoyed. 
uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, some people say we don't talk about them enough. You know, it's just it's so it's so boring. I'm so sick of talking about them. Like, what what do you want me to say? Oh, they're losing some guys, but guess what? They're gonna bring in some other guys that are really good, and that'll be that. And you know what? We're gonna have the same conversation at the end of next year about how oh my god, look how good they are again, and they're in the Vanier Cup, and all oh, you guys doubted us because you thought we'd lose one game this year, or we thought you you thought we'd lose one instead of zero or two instead of one uh but yeah uh, they're gonna continue to be good um they have the young core that's set up for years hillock magnet jones um wanati oh <laughs> you know what God. i mean it's a uh, yeah it's a uh, you know they're i think they're entering sort of you know if they weren't already there it's really like the, the Laval territory of sort of the era of dominance and they're not just competing against Montreal, right? Like it's, it's, it's impressive. It's impressive. I, yeah, it's, I have nothing else to say. Let's, let's, you know, we, people have been talking about Western enough in the last few weeks. We don't need to say more about them. Western, you know, you're good. Everyone knows you're good. We'll, we'll move past it. We'll move to the East. Um, Let's start with our Toronto teams. Let's start with the Blues because um, you have a, a, a good amount of familiarity with a lot of these names. Um, five names that jumped out to me that we'll mention and any others that you want to throw out by all means. Um, Malcolm Campbell, um, outstanding defensive uh, lineman, defensive end for them, who uh, got drafted by the Tiger Cats last year before coming back for what I'm fairly confident was his last year. He's been one of the best pass rushers in the league since entering. Clay Sikara, uh Clay with a K, as as Dakota liked to call him, um, having played five of what it listed as six years, so fairly certain he's done there. Um, Will and Nolan, um, uh, Will Corby and Nolan Lovegrove, that is, um, for those of you who don't just know who I'm talking about when I say Will and Nolan when talking about the U of T Varsity Blues, the two outstanding receivers of theirs, um, both four years playing of five. And another defensive guy I wanted to acknowledge, uh, their corner, Caleb Zigby, four years playing of five years. Um, eligibility, um, not, not a guy who's, I don't know if he's made an all-star list or anything like that, but a pretty consistent guy for them at corner. I want to just hand the reins to you on talking about the Blues, given your familiarity with them. What thoughts do you have on those players I listed? What thoughts, any other guys I'm missing? And just in general, what you're thinking about with this team? You know, it's weird. I mean, you kind of, I mentioned Waterloo being at kind of an inflection point. I feel like U of T's in a similar place. For sure. I mean, sort of what I gained them notoriety, I guess, uh, over the past couple of years was, you know, Clay and Will and Nolan and the impact that those guys had uh, on the team. Um, but I mean, really, you look at last year and it was like a bit of a defensive year for them. Uh, the defense ended up carrying them through a lot of these games. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of the offense they were generating. Um through claying those guys, <laughs> high degree of difficulty there um, for what they accomplished. So I, I don't know if there are going to be some young kids ready to step in and kind of do the things that they did. Um, you know, scrolling through the pages of of LinkedIn and Indeed, Zach, um, there is a an opening there for the offensive coordinator position. Be fascinating to see what happens and how they decide to fill that. You know. 
there's uh you always wonder when these things open and what kind of candidates are going to be there and there's always you know when you look at the oua there's always going to be things to consider and who has families and yada yada and who's going to be there so it'll be fascinating to see how they fill that role um likely i think someone a guy that's going to need to be young going to want to recruit i mean someone that's going to be able to develop sort of the next quarterback there and receivers um they got a couple young quarterbacks there right now um be interested to see how they develop before next year but it's a i think it's an inflection point because you're coming off a, a period you made the playoffs this is the most juice you've had in 25 years <laughs> for the program so uh you better get your ass out there recruit while you can and uh yeah i, I would say you know i'm not to I don't know if they'll be making a return to playoffs next year. I don't want to say like I'm super against that thought, but I think just given sort of the losses they had, I mean, those are real kind of program builders. You know what I mean? So can't understand the impact that they had. And, you know, those are just my thoughts, though. Those are my thoughts. You know, I'm fascinated to see what happens with the program. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, as as long as they have the two-headed uh, monster in the run game of Adam Williams and and Chris McLean, um, you know, at least they, <laughs> at least we know they can run the ball some. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. You know, it's it's so interesting to think how that 2019 year compares with 2021, and obviously a lot changed, not just in the scope of the OUA, but in the world in those two years, which uh, obviously you know played a, a roles in, in some capacity. But uh, it's, you know, they're they're in a tough spot where, you know, if we're going to kind of talk about who we're a little more optimistic about, like I, I we already talked about Windsor a little bit and there's so many question marks with them. But for a, a number of reasons, um, just about sort of the program in general, I, I'm a little higher on a team like Windsor going forward than I am with, with UFT right now. I'm just uh, that that. What made them so spe- like what made them so special? Clay, Will, and Nolan. You know, and are you know however whatever however big a slice of the pie you want to give to Tommy Dennison from when he was there to Nate Hobbs when he was there, you know, coaching them up too. You know, um, that obviously plays a factor as well. But it's like it's Clay, it's Will, it's Nolan, most likely all moving on to hopefully greener pastures. And I just I don't know what direction this team's going to go in. I've, well, I, I think I think another key factor is like moving into these teams in the East is uh, are they going to be playing in the East Division again next year? I mean, that was really UFT's kind of you know say what you will uh, about them. What would have happened in a regular season if they would have made the playoffs? I yeah. don't know. We'll, we'll never know. I'm not here to say they wouldn't have made the playoffs, but I think uh, you know if they're out of that East Division next year and kind of the place they're at right now, it's. I don't want to call it a full-blown rebuild, but it's a, you're going to have to retool that offense, that's for sure. Well, if I'm reading your comments correctly, you're perhaps implying that the 3-3 three and three record that got them in the playoffs might not hold up or might not be quite the same if we return to a regular schedule, uh, OUA-type schedule with no cro- or with crossover and everything being more normal. Um what does that say then about the the next team we will go to who despite only playing east teams still didn't pick up a win in the york lions um it, you know I, a, a player i was really excited for who i 
through Dakota, I was able to, we were able to interview a few times, Nick DeJesus, young quarterback for them. We obviously didn't see him play in what would have been his first year, um, well, who knows, starting or anything like that, but just as far as getting to see him in his uh, OUA career, and I think he has a lot of talent that he'll bring to the table, but uh, as far as just starting with some names, uh, Talik Aoman, fourth year five defensive back, who uh, has been a big part of you know, what's made that defense special. Coach Okpro just loving to send pressure from everywhere on the field. Um, and he's been a big part of that as well as uh, Desi Dixon Jr., linebacker for them, fourth year of five. Dante Master Giuseppe, the outstanding kicker for them, fourth year of five. And then um, star wide receiver in Alex Daly, five years playing of six. So very certain that he's done. Hopefully a team will pick him up. He didn't get drafted last year in the CFL, but hopefully a team will pick him up. Um, you know, I, I don't, I really you go don't have first. Like, you go first this I time. Think, <laughs> I, I don't know if I have really have anything to say. I, you know, you know, the defense was impressive at times. Avante McCoy towards the end of the season was looking really impressive in the backfield for them. Loving to run that sweep game, which, as you know, I when a team's a little too reliant on that, I, I think even if you're getting success, I think sometimes speaks to other issues with your team. Um, that being that you don't feel confident running the ball up the middle, which then speaks to perhaps an issue of offensive line, and that then has other rippling effects. And of course, Bird Watch 2021, you know, the crane or the crow. And now we have DeJesus as well in the mix, but they got to figure that stuff out. I mean, I don't know. Rets and Daly, a young talent for them on offense. I, I feel, I don't know. I, I don't want to just repeat everything I tried to say about them this year where it's like, hey, there's got a defense that brings pressure and has some talented individuals. You know, Avante McCoy really stepping up. They got Rets and Daly as a really talented guy there and, da, 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 and just all leading to, yeah, but they clearly are missing uh, uh you know, a, a, a average to decent quarterback play, you know, it just hasn't been there. So I don't know really what else you can say about them until they can show that there's some sign of life there. I mean, we don't have to go back too far till they, they had a good, you know, they had a good guy in there and they were a team that was, you know, still not making the playoffs, but was pushing. Yeah, it wasn't all that different in the result. <laughs> true, true. But I mean, like this year was absolutely miserable. Like somehow 0-6 doesn't do justice to quite how poor I think they were this year. What do you like? <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure there are there's some people on Twitter, uh, some some. Uh... <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know what to call them. Uh, Non-East Division believers, or whatever you want to call it, anti-East Division people out there. But to go zero six in that division, I think uh, for some people, well, we'll put a little asterisk on it. I guess make it a bit worse. Um, <laughs> Just give another. Not that that's me. That's not. Just give another zero eight. But I think yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see you know, what happens with the program. Obviously, they've showed the ability to do some interesting recruiting in the past with the Alberta five. I think, you know, Tommy's there. He's a guy he's going to, you know, be recruiting all the time. And I think that goes, you know, quarterbacks, receivers, et cetera, to get guys in there. Um, but I like, like you, I, I'm, I'm fully in wait and see mode because, uh, 
I like right now. I, there's nothing. For, there's nothing from last season that instills any kind of confidence in me. So you know, we'll see what happens going forward. But the facts are facts from last year, and it, it was poor. It was poor. So you know, I'm rooting for parity. I'm rooting for everyone to be good. Let's let's get a good York team in the league. They got the nice new stadium there. Um, you know, hopefully, whoever the quarterback there is next year, to Jesus or something like that um can sort of start uh executing the vision let's say that you know the the coordinator there would want for that offense and because <laughs> I, it's funny i'm doing the same thing you're doing because the defense is the, the defense is pretty good <laughs> let's so, just it's so bad yeah Let's just let's move past it then. Let's go from Toronto to, to let's go from our Toronto teams to our Ottawa teams. Uh, let's start with the GGs, um, a team that uh, as the year progressed, I was just more and more and more into, and I, I still really like what they did this year, and I, I think it was super impressive. Um, as far as uh, names that we may not be seeing, I want to highlight three guys on the defensive side of the ball, and then I want to talk about their offense. Uh, defensive lineman Tremaine Steven. Um, Linebacker Alex Douglas, defensive back, um, who you are very familiar with, Luke Grease. Um, I forget they. I I, I didn't jot it down. I m- might not have listed on there, but I think either all fourth or fifth year guys. Um, I think all fifth year guys in that regard. Whether they still have some eligibility to play or whether they still are under the age limit, um, so to speak. Uh, you know. However, it's going to break down there being there or not being there will have an impact. You know, we're talking about three key players at all three levels of that defense who have been outstanding for them. And if I'm missing any other guys, you know, of course, mention it. But my, you know, my love for this team and Ottawa has been a team that's defensively, much like we've said with Guelph, with Laurier, pretty consistently has been able to have solid defenses year in, year out. We can probably say the same thing about Carlton, who we'll get to momentarily. Um, but it's it's that offense that formed with my guy, our guy, the OUA's guy, Ben Miracle at the helm, with JP Simonkinda, Dawson O'Day in the backfield, and then with Daniel Oadejo, Tristan Park, and the young man, um, who am I forgetting? What was the rookie's name who who we loved there? Estime. Estime. Yeah, Rodney Estime. Um I love that core. I mean, you know, I, I don't know the, the their offensive line. Um, they have a, a guy, I think, in their fourth year at tackle who uh, whose name is, is escaping me other than that. But he's been really good. Other than that, I don't have a great read on that. But that offensive core, uh, you know, to no one's surprise, if they've been listening to the pod in the latter half of the season, I really like. So obviously a few key guys in in Steven, Douglas, and Grease defensively that can be really tough to replace if, that, if they are losing those guys. But man... I am very excited for however long they have that core on offense together. What are some of your GG thoughts? Yeah, I think it'll be like, uh, maybe I'm not as excited as you are. I mean, there's a lot of passion in your voice about those guys. I also like you got a personal connection. Uh, but I think it'll be like, you know how Ottawa is. They're going to be kind of in the middle. You know, maybe maybe they'll be at like the five and three end or the six and two end. Maybe they'll be at the four and four, three and five end. But they'll be somewhere in there. And I think, you know, defense will be pretty good. You got Coach Marcel there, you know, CFL pedigree, another year with that offense, another year with the quarterback, uh, another year with those talented guys. Um, And I think, like you said, that's going to kind of be 
really the the bar or what's going to push this team where it's going to go is going to be that offense and you know based on this year some promise at times but i mean likely not good enough to get them in that next tier so we'll see what another offseason does for them i'm excited to see because you know those guys are definitely talented and you know ben obviously being a guy or maybe not obviously to some people but a guy i spent some time with coaching um, while i was still in my playing careers you know a guy with a lot of talent a lot of potential so um excited to see what he's been able to do with a former coach of mine coach Marcel. so you know going to be fascinating to see what how next season goes for them yeah no absolutely i, I and and jot it down nate's prediction ottawa will finish somewhere <laughs> between three and four and six and two or, or sorry before what was it three and five and six and two my apologies where will it wind it. up who knows but you heard it here first let's move over <laughs> let's move to carlton um i want to break this up into a, a few kind of sections um firstly two guys that got drafted last year um, but did return in offensive lineman Jesse Lawson and fullback Mitch Raper. Pretty certain that that's going to do it for their careers. Uh, you know, Lawson, an outstanding tackle for them um, for his, his five years of service there. And I think it was, I'm forgetting where he got drafted, but pretty sure those two guys are going to be, uh, are going to be gone for them. Yeah. Um, and confirm hit- those guys are old. Can confirm. All right, it is confirmed. When I remember playing, when I remember playing against them multiple times, uh, they're old. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the so then looking at the defensive side of the ball, um, I think all these guys are only in their fourth years. But Jonathan Edward or John Doe, because um, of his status as an American, I'm not sure how that bakes into the equation. But just some fourth year guys on the defensive side of the ball that to whether or not they're returning. East West prospects, combine CFL time, you know, guys to keep your ears open for. John Doe, of course, who I mentioned, uh, Mr. Danny McPicks, Danny McWhorter at corner for them, Cole Hepburn, um, and Shaheem Charles Brown. So once again, guys at sort of every level of their defense who have been major contributors. Um we'll see um where the dice sort of lands with them. I mean, this is a Carlton team that's been really good on defense, but we've seen over the last couple of years, I mean, going back about three years, you know, Ken Yanyeka gets drafted, then Kassar uh, gets drafted. Um, uh, uh, there's Sam Backer, who's also uh, Hoyt. He gets drafted. Um, Josh Walsh graduates out. Um, so they, they've always seemingly been good, but maybe it's just, a matter of time where it's like, yeah, but the, the core is just slowly graduating and going on to the next level. So maybe this is the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak. Um, and then back on the offensive side of the ball, um, uh, uh, Nathan Carter, who much like Trey Humes, I didn't expect to see back just because I thought thought they were already going to be graduating out. Um, the the outstanding running back, a guy who's had a hell of a career there, all-stars, things like that in his, in his past. I, I'm pretty certain he's done for... Uh, done for his time there now and then this surprised me apparently Tanner DeYoung is in his fifth year of eligibility um, still has years to play hasn't played all five of those and I don't know where he's at academically I don't know if you're on the LinkedIn machine right now trying to dig up some dirt on him per se um, but a guy who's I'll say at least this much older than I I guess expected he was so to speak and obviously we saw him miss this year and how greatly that impacted them um, stay of the Carlton Ravens go like I think it all depends on on the young really I mean like 
you know, if it's five out of five, I, don't, I would hope he would uh, try and appeal this year or something. Obviously, I think true. If you were to end your career like that, I mean, it's absolute travesty for a guy like that who was, was poised for kind of a big year. Um, but if he's not back, it's whatever for me, man. Like, like, I mean, no offense, but just uh, for me, uh, I was I was not uh, down the stretch. I was not excited to watch uh, Carlton Ravens games. Uh, just kind of. You know, middle of the pack. The defense is going to be good, like you said, but that offense is just nothing really inspiring in there. I mean, I would say, like, I feel pretty similar to them as I would about Laurier. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, maybe this is more of a, my opinion as a fan, but I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not super excited to flick on my OUA TV on Saturday and put on, put on the Ravens. Uh, definitely not last season and kind of what they were able to do offensively. So you mean you're not in the Reed Van Kunit hive? Not yet. <laughs> There's not some yet. buzz, a little buzz. <laughs> There's but I'm always I'm always down for a buzz. I'm always about a continual improvement, Zach. You know what I mean? They an offseason kind of being the starter, who knows? But I don't know, like it this is just like a very uh, generalization here, but I mean, it felt like that first recruiting class they had and they recruited so well. I just feel like each iteration of this team, it hasn't really kind of been as good. The hype, like I guess was there this year, but for me, it wasn't really because they're really good, but it was because they're in this East division and no one else felt great about anyone else. Like, I just feel like this program in general, six and (laughs) oh, yeah. But I I think the program in general, (laughs) The program of Joe, I feel like it's fallen off a little bit from kind of where it was being this high-flying, hype-trained, sick Nike jerseys. Oh, now they got the Under Armour jerseys. And it's just – I'm not seeing as much buzz as them in the recruiting either um, from what I've used to. So I think, you know, again, another team that I, I don't know if I want to say is rebuilding, but without the young there, like I I really – I have no idea, Zach. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 seemingly the consistent thread through all of this. Um, where if it's if it's if it's a quarterback, there's a question mark about. Then you might as well pause all comments about any other position because if that's where your biggest question lies, then you know everything else can wait. Um, which again is why I wasn't certain Western was going to necessarily win a Vanya this year because that was where the question was for them. But whatever. let me let me let me pose this question to you because I think. It's fascinating that we're having this conversation and we're all talking about the quarterbacks and everything like that. And yet the QPs had such a bad year statistically. So True. what what is that? Are the defenses just good here? Because but the quarterback play actually still did matter when you look at the teams that were there at the end. Like I don't know. It's all it's fascinating. I mean, it, 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 it's it's totally fascinating, and you know, it's one of those things that at the start of the year, you know, it's it's easy enough to at least just chalk it up to well, you know, offense takes a little bit longer than defense to get going, and restrictions as far as how they've been able to practice the whole year off, a lot of roster changes, all that stuff. But I, I don't know, I haven't checked any trends to see whether or not like QB performance got better towards the end of the season, as maybe my theory would bear out if the continuity piece was really the biggest thing. But it was a lot of familiar faces in familiar places. You know, obviously we saw a guy like Merchant, uh, you know, graduate out and and go to do his thing in Europe. But other than that, it was a lot of guys that we've seen do, you know, not just better, but like. For Ford, for Ford, it was 
you know, obviously the unequivocal star of the league, pretty mid as far as passing goes, 244 yards a game. We had Duick again, uh, I think some pretty good games, but a couple whew, really yeah. miserable games there. And not Clay just Sakara, like another one. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, look at Clay Sakara as well. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, maybe we expected these guys to be really uh, be the stars of the league this year. And that's not to say that they aren't necessarily, but a, a bit of a head scratcher. <laughs> I think for me, I like no one, no one averaged over 300 yards. Like when was the last time that happened? What the, the nineties, the eighties, Zach, like I would love to know that stat. That's it seems very strange to me. I think we have to go all the way back to before the forward pass was allowed for that one, but <laughs> we'll get, I, I don't know. We'll get our, we'll get the, the it department on that one. Um, Last team, so serendipitously that we're finishing off with your Queen's Gales here. And, uh, you know, obviously um, a, a a great year for them. Um, by some accounts, maybe they were uh, ahead of schedule, so to speak. Um, they were definitely on the right path towards this. A lot of the right pieces in place for them to get to the point that they were at. And, and they're in a place where they're still going to improve. They're, they're definitely, you know, we talked, we made a lot of comments about how much the East-West thing played in and perhaps more than any other team, they were the recipients of comments regarding the uh, imbalance between the leagues. Um, oh, they, how would they have done the West? Would they have made the playoffs in the West? Oh, they, whatever. Um, but going through the roster, and I want to just hand it to you completely because I don't know, I don't, personally know anyone who knows well actually i know matt nesbitt probably knows this team a little better than you and i do know him as well but really just three names that jumped out to me looking at this team as far as who might not be back it's another uh kicker who's been doing his thing for a long time in the league nick liberatore it is linebacker nolan bedard and it's their left tackle um jacob butler uh, all guys that look like well in bedard and butler it might be a matter of uh going to a camp Maybe getting drafted, we'll see. Uh, Liberatory, I think, is done. But I don't think I saw anyone else that really stood out as being, you know, graduating out. Actually, I think I might have seen Josh Mosley's name as well. Josh Mosley's graduating, yeah. Yeah, okay. So another big name on the offensive line, but I'll completely throw my bias on the table. I, I trust Matt Nesbitt to be able to get that straight for them there. But so four, like maybe four guys in total that played significant roles for them that they're going to have to fill the void with. I mean, talking about a team that has been growing and has the opportunity to keep growing, you know, it's, 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 it sucks when you look at teams where it's like, Oh, they're on the right path, but now all their star players have graduated out or going on to the next level. And it doesn't matter how well they've been going. That just, you know, this is a team that went undefeated, went on to a nice Yates cup run to lose the eventual Vanier cup champs. And by all accounts, I, Aside from you know, do I, would I bet that for them to go undefeated again next year, especially if it's if it's back to a mixed league? I mean, probably not. Uh, just you know, maybe you see one team go undefeated each year, and it's usually Western, if any. But man, does this team have room to keep growing off of an already tremendous year? Um, go ahead and say anything and everything you want about your Queens Gales. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people. Um, you know how they'll fare next year will come down to the conference thing, and but like you said, they're not losing anyone. <laughs> you know, all their guys are young guys. 
uh, whether you look at the receivers, uh, DB's got to shut out my guy. Also Thompson McCallum, uh, you know, one of my former roommates, the field corner out there, uh, you know, retiring after this, this year did his, did his five years there. Um, but man, he's just kind of, I don't, for me to be a buy, I obviously have some bias, but I think like, they are kind of the standard in terms of recruiting right now. I mean, just in terms of kind of what you see on social media and everything like that. And it shows with all these young kids coming through. I mean, I remember talking to friends at the season started. It's like, oh man, you guys are pretty young in the secondary. Like what, like are you, what's going on with that? And lo and behold, that's become the best group on the team, you know, almost. So it's uh, a period of time where it's, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I think, you know, they're kind of in a period where I think they're going to be ascending into the sort of that top level where they're going to be able to sustain this because I just think if they turned into this machine in terms of recruiting and sort of the culture that they've built there. It's really kind of no nonsense, everything that's going on. Um, it'll be fascinating to see when they come back up against, you know, not necessarily Guelph, but the max of the world and things like that. I think it'll be very fascinating to see how they fare next year, but um, just in general, in terms of long-term outlook, I think, you know, whether it's next year or in the coming years, but I think, you know, another Yates appearance is probably on the horizon within the next couple of years for these guys. Am I crazy? This is my bias, Zach. No, no, far from crazy. I mean, for one, it's hard not to love a team that can go undefeated, make a run to a championship, and yet arguably have one of the bigger chips on their shoulder. Like, that's kind of... That's, this is ex- this is literally what happened to Western in 2019. They go undefeated, they lose in a championship, and then jackasses like me talk about, ah, you know, I think they're going to go down a step. Like, maybe it's going to be off year, right? And now everyone's, you know, huffing and puffing about, well, they were in the East, the 6-0, whatever, da 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 Oh, my God. Like, give them more stuff to put on, on the bulletin board. Like, my goodness. Like, I feel like already, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like around the league, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily love Queens, you know, at different schools, like they're involved in a lot of different rivalries. And so I think people love taking that opportunity to then, you know, perhaps dance on, 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 on the grave after the Yates loss. So I'm sure over at Queens, they're just like, yeah, we're just gonna go back to work. And they're like, it's, you know, I, I, so that's first point. You gotta love a team that has that kind of chip on their shoulder. Secondly, you know, you're kind of mentioning getting to see them go up against, you know, the McMasters again of the world. And as you were saying that in my mind, I kind of was sort of finishing the thought of like, and the water. Well, no, actually, (laughs) they should dominate Waterloo if they play them next year. They should probably like you just kind of having now had this conversation and we'll wrap it up because, you know, we're 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 running a bit long on this one. um, But, you know, Western, you know, in great shape. We talked about Guelph as having, you know, a few question marks on offense on that defense as well. But we're given the benefit of the doubt the defense passing game looks like they got something there. Fill some holes at the uh, offensive line spot. They have running backs. Will one guy step up as the guy? So questions, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, decent position to be in. Laurier losing a lot of talent on that defense or, or likely losing a lot of talent on that defense. But. We're still giving that same benefit of the doubt. Offense, they're losing guys, but they already had questions. So, ugh, what what's that going to look like? You know, we said what we said about Waterloo, Windsor, liking the state of the franchise, but you know, 
Don't expect them to be making that too much noise next year. I mean, like we said, maybe they get to get a win against a York or a Toronto. Maybe a lower sort of middle class team is just sort of sitting there for them to take another bite out of like they did this year. Um, But, you know, as we kind of keep going through these teams, and this is sort of where I was, you know, however many months ago doing the way too early prediction pod, which we know how that panned out for me. But I think the logic is decently sound where... In, in the face of not that much information, because we don't really have all that information from where we sit here at December 9th, 2021, but it really comes down to me of like, who have the most question marks? And there's a lot of teams with a lot of question marks, and of the teams who have the fewest, it's Western and Queen sitting nice and safely at the top, you know, so... I don't think you're crazy for thinking that this team is in a level to ascend even further than they did this year. And I don't think that means they have to go undefeated again. You know, I, I think that this team has room to grow. And, you know, that if it's a six and two season, seven and one year, look out for Queens. Um, and I, like I said, I think a lot of people are dancing on their grave after that Yates Cup loss and with, with them playing in the East. But I think if people are really fair with themselves and the talent on that team, who they're losing, who they're going to get, you alluded to their ability to recruit the facilities they have and the coaching staff they have there as well. Yeah, uh, Queens is uh, is looking in tip-top shape. So, yeah, any last thoughts on and everything we kind of covered there, Nate? Um, what, what are you thinking before we wrap this one up? Ah, I was just thinking in my head, you know, December 9th, 2019, you know, we just come off, you know, was a Calgary one, the Vanier, you know, yeah. Western got knocked off in the eights. At that point in time, like, if you told me that Western was going to win the Vanier the following season after that, I, you know, I would have, hmm, hmm. You know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility, but I think following sort of that defeat to Mac and sort of, like you said, all the question marks they had, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it still, still was surprising a little bit. So I think, you know, it'll be fascinating to see, you know, as much as we want to talk about Western, we can't count out uh, – all these other teams as well, the Max, the Queens of the world and, and Guelphs, et cetera, et cetera. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, there are there are some uh, historic coaches still doing their thing in this league. And they are, you know, they are parts of history for a reason that they they consistently do their job and do it to, uh, you know, as, as good or as better than anyone in the league um, looking at programs like Mac and, and, and elsewhere in the league. So um, that is a wrap on our 2021 retrospective. It was uh, that was a lot of fun getting to, to go back through memory lane of the season. It's it's remarkable how how fast that all went as we kind of went through the different you know teams and thinking about matchups from each week. It kind of like, oh, that would have been like, what, the third week of September? Holy cow. What else was going on? In my life? You know, it's it's oh, man. Uh, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to move around, to look around once in a while, you might miss it. To quote uh, Ferris Bueller there. So, as always, you know, follow us on the socials. Uh, we're, you know, we're gonna put together what sort of our plan is for the off season to keep you entertained, uh, leading up to things like East West, the draft, and then whatever else in the summer. And uh, maybe keep an eyes, your eyes open for another top 100 from the Adam 55 crew. And, uh, and things like that. So on the socials at the 55 podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the website at the 55.ca. Um, hit us up if you ever want to use the website to write a blog, whether it's uh, beyond the playbook, whether you want to buy merch, whatever, um, or sorry, outside the playbook, whatever it is uh, you might want to use that for. 
hit us up. Um, and like always, we'll see you next time at the 55. <laughs>